whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.00% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I... Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Joining me today, I've got Blake and Kim. How are we both after a second 0-0 draw in a row? Not too bad, considering. Uh, it's it's just okay. It's just okay. <laughs> well, 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 we'll take sort of... It feels like we've got like the glass half full and glass half empty here, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keen, actually. One of the bits on the running order is to talk about perception of the game. Um, and sort of how we're feeling as Wolves fans at the moment. So I was going to say, I'm, I'm really happy you've both got slightly different moods. Um, but guys, we're going to be talking about the nil-nil draw against Burnley, some stuff kind of going on around Wolves at the moment, a run-up for the December fixtures, um, as we're now in Advent, guys. And also do a little bit on Liverpool as well. Um, we do have our Liverpool preview show um, that uh, little Dan has put out today. Um, so go check that out as well um let's get right into the game as i mentioned it was our uh, second nil nil draw in a row um or you can look that we've kept three clean sheets in a row depending on i guess how how we're looking at it um guys we'll start with the lineup we we knew neves wouldn't be playing through suspension um i think the only one which i guess was up for debate was Traore or Trincao with Podence also um, unavailable for COVID reasons. Were you happy to see Traore start? Would you have preferred to see Trincao? I know he's played at the weekend, but Blake, what what was your sort of reaction first? I I think it's sort of a double-edged sword because I think they're both... They both have their cons. (laughs) And I just kind of feel like no matter which one you choose, you're just going to end up frustrated at the end of the day. Um, I don't blame Bruno because there's nothing else we can really do until Neto comes back. But yeah, it is really frustrating to just to have to pick to between those two. It's so disappointing that Potence is out. Granted, there's nothing you can do with COVID, but yeah, it is. It's just I don't know. It's it's one of those things where neither player really seems to be getting a grip on things and. I don't know. It was fine to see Traore in the lineup, but yet again, he's just been frustrating. Yeah, Kim, similar. I mean, I know Trinkau tried hard on Saturday, but didn't really do an awful lot. And again, we've got a big run of fixtures coming up, and it feels like neither one of them's 
done enough to hold down a berth. Were you kind of satisfied, or would you have liked to see Trincao given another shot against you know a lesser opposition, so to speak? Well, initially, no, I wasn't. I was happy with Traore getting a start. I think you know Burnley haven't got the paciest defenders, so I thought, and obviously. With Traore's strength, I think if we'd have started Trincao, you could say you could have said that you know it might have just got muscled off the ball. Um, so just thinking about it before the game, I would have definitely I was happy with Traore starting. I felt like he could really you know really test Burnley, which you could argue that he did. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think overall with the lineup, you couldn't. There was nothing to be annoyed about because you know Neves was always was suspended so Dendonk was the only other option to come in and then I suppose then when you move on to the bench it was painful to look at that bench I think we had two goalkeepers and then obviously the only options really to bring on were Trincao and and Silva who hasn't had any minutes for for a while so I think that was the most alarming thing that I found when I saw the the team sheet is it was the bench more than anything. Yeah, I think uh, you know the fact we can name nine substitutes. We only named eight. Two of them were goalkeepers. Um, I'll, I'll run through the list because, well, for anyone listening on YouTube, you'll see them. But it was Molden, Ruddy, Hoover, Trincao, Silva, Kundal, uh, Bueno, and Campbell. I mean, Blake, it doesn't exactly you know scream options, does it? No, I mean. I haven't heard of half of them. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just one of those things where I just don't know what you do. I mean, we've been screaming that this team has been has had too few players in it for, for ages, and it just seems like it's something that's never really going to be fixed at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's disappointing, but it's just one of those things that I guess we just kind of have to find a way to get around. Yeah, I think what I find bonkers, and, and to be fair, I'm sure we've got listeners of a generation above mine um, who, you know, I, I remember when you could only have five subs and I'm sure there's a generation before me who remembers only having three subs and, and you know, we've moved to seven, it's been seamless and since COVID, I think it is, we've had more subs available and, no, not, mm. and, and interestingly Burnley had two sub goalkeepers ironically both former Wolves goalkeepers in Norris and Hennessy um, but you know, that, that you know, it, it, it strikes me as odd that, you know, we kind of can't fill a bench. And he, he, even if we had, you know, back to, you know, a seven sub rule, it still would have looked, you know, very um, heavy with heavy with youngsters. And I know we've got injuries for the likes of Neto, Bolly, Mosquera, um, Podence and, and Neves out as well. And that is five, you know, squad players. But... They say it, it, it's still not great. Um, Every say, week we should we should have of at least five senior players yeah. that can come on. I think and change the game, even with injuries. That's that's what a, a Premier League team who's you know top half should have as a minimum. And to have literally two players, one of which he hasn't started. I can't remember. I don't think he's even started a game this season. It was it just. Yeah, it was. There was never. They were never going to bring the sub on. They were going to change the game. And obviously, Bruno is probably. It might be sending out a message to to the board to say, you know, he didn't bring on a sub. Was it till the 80th minute where Trincao yeah. came on? 
Um, so whether that's just a message to the board to say, look, I haven't got any any players good enough to come on to change it at the moment, so it needs to be addressed in January. Yeah, I think it, it becomes quite a cyclical thing because our players are tired. We don't have anyone to replace them who have a good enough quality, which means our, you know, everything's kind of going to drop or we're going to get more injuries because the players are tired because we've got no one to replace them. We're going to keep going round and round and round. And, you know, players are going to get players are going to get suspended because we've played nearly half the season now. Um, you know, I, it, it, it's troublesome. But onto the game itself, I mean, first half in particular, um we, we, we dominated for large parts of it, and we got kind of control of the ball, but we seem to kind of struggle to get through Burnley um, unless we're kind of beating them on the counter-attack for, a, you know, a decent amount of time. It was only through a couple of sort of um, trademark Traore runs that, you know, we got anything. I mean, he got he got the foul where I think Ben, ben Mee hooked him across the body with his, with his leg. Uh, which I thought was an interesting interpretation of a of a tackle, and of, of course we had the Traore crossbar chance as well. Um, that that was in the sort of the twenty ninth minute, and that was, I guess, for for both teams the first chance on goal, the first really big chance. I think um, Saad made a couple of couple of saves, but I don't think we tested Pope particularly. Um, it, were you screaming for him to pass it to? Jimenez, what at that point, you know, we've got it sort of freeze framed in terms of, you know, when he makes the decision. Does he do the right thing for you, uh, Kim, in terms of trying to go it alone, or should he have tried to uh, feed, you know, a natural one goal scorer? Do you know what, though? At the time, I must say, I didn't even notice that Raul was there just because it happened in such a flash. And obviously, Traore went past that defender so fast that I didn't see him however in hindsight yes you know you'd hope that a player of Troy Ray's caliber would at least he must have known Raul was there right you know all he needed to do was slip him in and he must know that Raul's got a better chance of scoring than him um so it's 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 a difficult one because obviously he wasn't lucky you know went past the defender like he usually does with ease. And it was a great strike, but how many times has Troy Allray almost like smacked the underside of the bar and almost just like hit it too hard instead of just placing it, you know? Um, so, yeah, at the time I didn't even notice that Raul was there almost. I was just so focused on Troy Allray. But, um, yeah, I, he's got to pass it there. And you would back... If, if Prudence was in that situation... I would put a lot of money that he would have passed that ball. But I think Troy is that desperate to start and any chance that he gets, he just wants to score, that he just doesn't he doesn't think straight sometimes. Yeah, Blake, how about you then? How, how did you kind of interpret it in the moment? Yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot to add. I mean, it's just, Raul's your centre forward. He's got no one on him. Play it through. <laughs> just play it through. And likely... In all likelihood, it's a goal. Um, granted, you know, it wasn't a poor effort from Adama. You know, he, he did strike the bar, and had it been a few millimetres uh, lower, probably would have been a goal. But it, 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 I, I keep coming back to the word frustrating. It's just, it's really, really frustrating to see Adama because he curates these unbelievable chances that I don't think anyone else would. 
And this is coming back to sort of what Kim said about Podence. I don't know if Podence even creates this chance in the first place. Sure, he might pass to, to Jimenez, but is he able to get into this position in the first place? I don't think so. So it's unfortunate because if Adama actually had something of an end product, he'd be the best bloody footballer in the whole world. But unfortunately, it's just, it is frustrating. Um, that being said, if it was a few millimeters short, uh, lower, we would have all been going lyrical about how unbelievable his run was. So uh, as much as I do say it's frustrating, there is also the element of, you know, he gets his chances no one else does. So it's it's just one of those things where if he's on, he's on, and if he's off, he's off. And unfortunately, he's just been off all season. And who knows if he'll ever get on again. Do you know why I think he's completely like lost his way a bit? I think it's because he's been asked to go inside a lot and it's just not natural for him to, you know, cut inside and be, it's almost the, the, the inverted wingers or whatever you want to call them. I think he's struggling to, it doesn't come natural to him to play that way. So he's almost just overthinking everything. And then obviously just, you know, he gets the ball and doesn't always just go past people like we know he can, which which in turn means that the crowd get frustrated and a little bit on his back. And he's a, he's a proper confidence player, isn't he? And I'm sure towards the end of the game last night, he was getting, his confidence yeah. was getting worse and worse because the crowd were getting so frustrated. And so was I. But, you know, it's it's trying to almost keep, getting behind him and I know at one point that some people like towards the bottom of the South Bank were like because he was right near were were trying to encourage him because he's yeah he's a very much a, a confidence player and that's what we've got to be careful of that after that chance and him missing you know Huang missed a, a chance where he just needed to control the ball and hit it and he didn't but you know the crowd didn't get on his back so yeah I just think Although I'm frustrated with him, I think we need to just like try and get behind him if he starts against Liverpool. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with both of you um, massively. I think for, for me, um, I, I think it was Dan, uh, I was going to say friend of the fancast, Dan Butler, um, who does a lot on a preview show, said the, the easy option for Troy is just to pass it to Jimenez. Because if he, it's not an amazingly hard pass, but it. It absolves him of responsibility. He doesn't mm. like. He doesn't have to, you know, try and drive past a man, have a shot from an angle that he knows he's not good at. He could just to say shift that responsibility onto someone who relishes it. And Andy, that's another assist to his name, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, Not that, that he ever gets that. an assist. So yeah, exactly. It slowly builds up that very fragile confidence he has, and you know, say it, 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 we say we say if we can't timey place doesn't he he's the one who you know we 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 get the highlight reel for and he's the one who's kind of creating these chances but he, he, he can't finish them and you know it's not just this season it's you know we're four seasons well three and a half seasons in now to the Adama Traore project I know there's certain people in the fan cast like Stu who just been him off tomorrow if he could and, and cash in and you know there's still stuff around his contract which I think um, you know, whether that overshadows how he's performing, I don't quite know. Um, 
just got to say, we're just, just kind of screaming for him just to I say, do what we can all see. That, that's the easiest option for him, and he doesn't always pick it. My, my thing with Adama is he's the fastest player in the league. You, you could pretty much argue he's probably the best player, fastest player with the ball at his feet. But he always takes shots from really far out. And he does everything far away from goal. It's like, why not just try and run as far as you can with this ball into the box? Or, you know, try and take on the goalkeeper. Or not not in this circumstance, because I think Pope kind of got his positioning right. But, you know, there's been times before he just, like, either starts his run on the halfway line. Or just, just try and go as far as you can. Just commit that, sometimes, just commit that extra play then. But it's frust- it, he is eternally frustrating. And, uh, and he has to hit the ball, doesn't he? Like, he has yeah. to hit it really hard and put his foot through it every time. It's like... Can you just not show a little bit of composure and just... And I know he's not Raul, but, like, you know how Raul just, you know, makes it look easy? It's like he just has to do everything, 100 mile an hour, and just hit it as hard as he can. It's just like... Yeah. Oh, uh, but we've seen him do finishes, like, against Man City a, a few yeah. years ago when he got that brace, and both of them were just, just really calm, just, yeah. I don't need to smack the ball, I just need to pass it. Don't don't worry about the rest. Just but they're the, the only two, right? I can't think yeah, of any other ones. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Um, uh, the, the other player who also kind of started, who didn't play against Norwich, was uh, Den Donker, and I, I, I find him a fascinating player to watch. I know Kim's not his his biggest fan, um, but what did we kind of think of how he played? Because I didn't think he played awful, but at the same time, he didn't. You know, set for the world light. I'll go to Blake first, just just to kind of save 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 Kim for a second. It was just fine. I mean, it was one of those things where you didn't really notice him. And you know, I think this is really credit to Neves that Neves doesn't always look like the best player on the pitch, but you always notice when he's not in the squad. And I think tonight was really a night where you really noticed Neves wasn't there. Um, and that's not necessarily to discredit Dendonker. I really like Dendonker, but he he just sort of... He's not Neves. At the end of the day, he's not Neves. And, I don't know, he wasn't bad. He wasn't really good, but he wasn't bad either. So, it was just sort of meh. Yeah, I think that, that that's a wonderful way of describing him, to be honest. He, he, he can be the colour beige an awful lot. Um, and, and I say this as a fan of Dendonka. Kim, did did yesterday's game do anything to sort of help sway you at all from, um, I guess, your thoughts on him last season or not Not really? No, do you know what? I'm not going to be harsh on him because I agree with, with what Blake said, really. I think the, the key point is, is how much we miss Neves because, but we all know that Dendonka's not going to control a game. He's not, he's not that kind of player. So that's not a, criticism was him um but i mean in previous seasons dendonka has been that guy that's almost popped up with a goal here and there made some good runs into the box but i don't really remember him doing any of that last night like he didn't stand out and he yeah he just didn't do a lot for me like you know, I thought Martinho had a decent game again, you know, was was sort of in the midst of a lot of, a lot of things, you know, get trying to 
pull the team forward. But again, Matinho is not Neves either. So I think the key point here is how much we miss Neves and how he's been in great form this season um, and just almost dictating the play and at the heart of every performance where we've done well, i.e. West Ham, we played well, um, was it Everton? He's been almost the man of the match in all of those games, if I remember rightly, because he's just at the heart of everything that we do. So, yeah, I'm not going to slate Dendonka too much because he is what he is, but I personally would have liked to to see a bit more of that, I, mean, I don't know, late runs into the box or, you know, getting on the end of a, a corner. And that's really all he can bring for me. Um yeah. Do, do you think with Dendonka, he just needs to be a little bit more aggressive and like assert himself in games? Because he's got, obviously, he's a there's a player in there. You know, you, you don't play for Belgium unless you've got a level of quality about you. Um, and like you look at his size and his stature, but he doesn't kind of quite play with like any aggression in his game. And not not in like a you know I'm looking him to, you know, fly fly elbows like Loudon or let's say kind of kick lumps out of people like Ben Me or, or any of that. But I know like you you don't always see him sort of let's say get a foot in that much in the same way you see Nevers you know really thrive in that and even Matinho as well um, really thrives in that in those jewels as well. You never really see Donk do that. Um, or even just when he's aggressive on the ball, he doesn't move the ball, you know, with a tempo a lot of the time. And you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, sort of Wolves' failings kind of going forward. And I think part of it is because he can't dictate a game, but he can't, I say, even kind of going for box, just like having that physical presence about him. I, I don't know what it is because you say he, he, he's six two, of built of you know, uh, you know. For, I, I don't, yeah, I don't I just don't quite know. He doesn't get stuck he's... in, does he? He no. doesn't get stuck no. in as the other two, and he's built a lot more than the other two, which is like, so that's what I'm saying. What is he actually bringing to the team now? Like, I just think he's a little bit out of his depth at this level. That, that's the be all and end of all, isn't it, really? He mm. feels like someone who's reached his potential, you know? It just mm. kind of feels like he's not. He's just sort of yellow. He's not really going down. He's not really going up. He's just sort of staying the same way as he sort of always has been with us. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would really help if he would become more aggressive. But then there's always the question of, is he going to be just like Sace and get a booking every time he dives in with a challenge? Mm. So, it's just one of those things that he isn't an aggressive player. So, you just have to recognize that. Yeah. I mean, like, even I don't say we're, we're several seasons into having him and I still don't know what his position is or what his best position is. And, you know, he often, for me, sometimes he plays when he's in midfield, he plays like a defender. And when he's in defence, he plays like a midfielder. And, you know, there's either going to be a point where he has, you know, it's all going to click together and he's going to be a fantastic, you know, number six, or he's just kind of going to have a career of. Um, you know, mediocrity to a degree, um, without kind of sounding Jack of too... all trades, master of none. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't <laughs> even seem to kind of quite be there. I, I, I say, I find it sort of eternally frustrating with him at the moment. But um, one person I did want to highlight from yesterday's game uh, was John Brooks, the referee. Um, it was the first game 
um, officiating at this level. And I can't remember the last time I saw that solid uh, referee performance. I mean, I, I'm personally, I don't really like slagging off a referee because they're never, re- on the show at least, because um, they're never usually the reason like why you haven't won. Um, but the way he controlled the game for me, and Burnley are, uh, how do I describe? We won't, have, we won't have many Burnley listeners, will we? No, no, no one's really good. They haven't got many fans, have they? No, they haven't got many fans. I can't imagine how how many of our, (laughs) you know, quite literal tens of listeners we have will be listening to it. Um, They're just a bastard of a side. And it's, you know, they are physical. They will make themselves um, known, but also will be very chippy if anything happens. And I thought, you know, particularly the Huang Lowton incident, incident where, you know, Lowton goes in with a bit of an elbow, and it was a very a strong yellow. I think it probably what, and I don't think it really quite was a red, but it was a it was nasty. And then Huang sort of doing a bit of a lash out, which was silly. And again, a, a different referee might have pulled one of those up for a for a red card, and he just handled it. He did. He he, he took his time. I think it might have gone to VAO as well, but you know he. Let's say, and it wasn't just on that occasion. He let the game flow. There wasn't any, you know, silliness. He just seemed to have done a really good job. It's like, I know, refreshing to see a good refereeing performance. To be fair, I think it's interesting to bring up because every single game this season, I've been fairly. I don't know if I'd say happy with the refereeing, but it's it's been better than I've remember it remembered it, and I think it's really helpful that. You know, there's sort of been this unwritten rule that they're going to let players and and let the game be a little more aggressive and rough and tumble. Um, but what I think is is interesting about that as well, I know it's kind of going off topic a little bit, is that I think it's it's kind of impacted um, atmosphere as well, mm. because so many times when Molyneux sort of started to rock the boat, it's been because the referees kind of gone against us in one way or another, and I've just. I've never really noticed this season any time where I've kind of felt like the referee was was really doing anything that wrong. So, yeah, it, it certainly is kind of interesting to note that I, I think there's been sort of a, a new age of refereeing in the Prem. Um, and, yeah, I think this, this highlights it. I mean, I think you're right that many other referees, and I think in past seasons there would have been red cards issued in, in this game, maybe even a couple, but... Not anymore. Yeah, Kim. I, I, I guess we can you know, either talk about referee or is like, do, do you think that either Lowton or Wang should have seen red, or do you think actually again it, it was just fair retribution? Yellow cards are both, and we both get to fight another day. I think it was fair in the end. However, at the time when I saw Huang lash out, and loads of people round me were just like, "Oh my god, this is going to like go to VAR," and they're is going to be overturned to a red. So um, it was pretty much I breathed a sigh of relief um, because you li- from my seat, you literally see him like proper lash out and a lot of refs and, and maybe it should have been a red, to be honest, because you can't just lash out like that, can you really? Um, so, yeah, I think overall it was, a as you, you guys have said, it could have become foul central, couldn't it, that game, because mm. of how how physical Burnley can be. They could almost, it could have almost turned into almost like the Brentford game. 
yeah. where it just was an awful spectacle in the end. Um, but yeah, as I say, because no one's really talking about the ref, I think that's probably the first, feels like the first time this season where there hasn't been anything slightly controversial that our fans have seen, seemed happy with the performance. And it's been more about the the performance of the team. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, well, well, we'll go from the positive of the referee. So I guess the, the negative of Wolves attacking prowess in this game. And, you know, we, we could almost do a bit of a copy and paste from the, from the Norwich podcast. But once again, we, we were just a bit lacklustre um, going forward. We created a few more chances second half. Wang got a couple of um, bites at the cherry. Troy had another uh, had a couple of shots as well. But we really seem to sort of struggle to kind of gain any... Um, momentum going forwards and have a level of sustained pressure throughout. Um, do you think it's a problem that's easily solved, or do you think that it's something we're going to have to sort of very much live with until, um, I, I guess, until we kind of get some new recruits in? Because um, it's it's a bit. Uh, say we've got what six more fixtures now in December or something silly. Um, it's a very busy month. Um, and we've got a very tough couple of games, uh, notably for one of the weekends. So, but Blake, I, I guess what what are your sort of thoughts on it at the moment? Because we know we can we know we can play with really great tempo and you know have fantastic movement, but it's just not happening at the moment, is it? I think to start off this conversation, we actually kind of have to discuss the defense because I think in years prior, we would have lost this game. This had all the markings mm. of. We attacked for 90% of the game. We had one counter-attack at the end. It went in. Game over. So many times we've seen that with Wolves, especially in the first season when we were in the Prem. So I think, first of all, I think we need to give some credit to sort of the back, whatever, three, four, however many, um, that they have sort of shored things up a little bit more than certainly in past seasons. I mean, I think we've got, is it three or two? Clean sheets in a row. Three. Three. Three yeah. West, yeah. West Ham, Norwich, and... Um, yeah. I, was, I remember a time when Wolves could not get a clean sheet for their lives. And I think that really needs to be stated first, that we're even having this conversation about the attack at all, because I think it could have easily been... Oh, bloody hell. Another 90th minute winner that we've conceded when we dominated the game. But anyways, now, fo- now following up with the attack. Yes, it is frustrating. But I think we also have to remember that we're playing Burnley. This is Burnley's game. They frustrate teams into nil-nil draws. And yes, it's unfortunate that, that you know, we didn't quite have it and that we haven't had it, you know, for, I don't know, some time, especially after Norwich. I mean, that was just brutal watching. It was better tonight, in all honesty. But yeah, it, it is frustrating, but it's Burnley. That, that's sort of my way of looking at it. It's just this, these kind of things are always going to happen with Burnley. So whatever. That's, that's fair. I think, I, I guess it depends on, I guess, sort of how wide you, you look at, I, I guess, the issue, whether, you, you know, I think if it's over the last two games, then I definitely agree with you that Burnley, everyone knows how, disciplined they are defensively and I think if you play it doesn't help when you play into their hands that we were doing sometimes it was like let's just try and knock the ball into the box with just Jimenez in there to try and win a header against like three three defenders who are all like pushing him out of the way to get to the ball first um 
Kim, how about how about you? Um... I thought I was absolutely fuming with our tempo. That was the that was right the key thing that made me so angry after that game. Like, I'm just glad we didn't have to record a podcast last night because I've obviously calmed down a bit now. However, it's just like. We're playing Burnley, so we need to move the ball faster because they're obviously going to just be deep. So, and obviously having Neves, who dictates the tempo, is probably one of the reasons why we particularly struggled last night. And I think it is an issue genuinely even when he's in the team. However, I think it made it even more of an issue um, last night because he, he wasn't there. But it's just, there wasn't any, like at the end of the game and we're literally just passing it around the back i was just like what are we doing it's like there's no movement you know the the wing backs weren't as as good like you know as they have been against sort of you know west ham where they were fantastic and pivotal to our play i just i just don't understand why we were we have gone to this really slow tempo because i don't feel like I don't feel like that's what Bruno Large has been asking the team to do. He was the one that were just was just like, t- you know, pushing the team on, and I just, you know, obviously he's coaching the team, but I just can't see him wanting us to play that slowly because we were we would have played we if we'd have played all night. I don't feel like we would have scored because we didn't create enough chances in the end. No, we we really didn't test Pope enough. I think yeah. even like. You know, Troy had a chance. I think um, Huang had a couple. I think he had one, one in the. I think it was in the first half as well, where it was out almost just on the edge of the box. We didn't get any power behind it. It's like not testing. It's not you know really made it stretching them. My, my sort of two cents on it is I, I think we're getting tired to a degree. I think that they don't quite have that a for rotation, but be almost a good rotation. That we, we've always kind of discussed Traore, Trincao, and sort of no one's kind of making that position their own. But we don't have the midfield options to have that. We're screaming, you know, last year that, that our midfield trio, who we've got, don't have that dynamism, so to speak. And the only one who really offers it is Neves, who wasn't playing at the uh, uh, last night. So we are struggling. I mean, as Blake kind of alluded to, we have at least we've we're fortunate to have a really solid defence at the moment, and they all seem to be doing their part. It's just making sure, you know, we can kind of match it going forwards because we've got the players, we've got the talent. It's just not quite clicking into place, is it? Remember um, when Cody used to like literally do his like crossfield passes, and we'd yeah. almost just break from that point. And like I feel like there was chances where we could have broke on Burnley, mm. but we were just. Like, even when Troy had the ball, it's like, just run with the ball. Like, you literally get past a player every time. And he was just, like, thinking about what he would, was going to do. And that it was just all too slow. Any time we had a chance to break on Burnley, we needed to be quicker because that's where we would have scored the goal, e.g., you know, the Troy Ray chance. But other than that, I felt like there wasn't enough breakaways. And that's how you beat teams like Burnley, who sit in. Um, so I'm going to stop now because I'm starting to go into a rant, but it drove me mad, that the tempo. Oh. Well, well, we'll wrap it up by just covering our, who we thought our man of the match was because uh, I, I think it's been great 
that we've had a few games this season where it's been impossible to choose, like against West Ham, like against Everton. Um, I think this one's a bit of a hard one because I don't kind of know who really stood out. Um, it's probably going to be someone who we, I don't think we've mentioned. So who who, have, who did you have for your man of your match, Blake? <sighs> it's funny because I don't really know who because it just sort of seemed like everybody was equally mediocre. Yeah. Um, maybe Cody because Cody actually seemed again we did have a really good defense for this game and Cody actually seemed to be putting out some balls and sort of taking up some of the slack that we had since Neves wasn't there but other than that I just don't really know who to put forward I mean Saw wasn't really tested so there's no real point talking about him Kilman looked great but he wasn't really needed all that much so yeah it's just what do you do? Who do you pick when everybody is just, as you kind of alluded to with Dendonker, beige? Just run-of-the-mill, mediocre? Kim, how about you? Everyone was mediocre. However, I still think Hillman was probably the best out of a bad bunch in terms of I don't think he put a foot wrong. He looked composed. The, the, the small things that he had to do, he just did it with ease. Um, and obviously, it had to be a defender, really. Like I don't think anyone looked great going forward. So, yeah, I'd go Kilman for me. I was going to say, interestingly, mine would have been Cody or Kilman, um, chiefly because Chris Wood is Wolves' nemesis. He always scores against us. He always bullies us. Yeah. Um, but actually, between primarily Cody and Kilman, they nullified him. They didn't let him do the things he's good at. And, you know, he ended up getting hooked after half an hour, which he wasn't happy about, um, then bringing on Jay Rodriguez. And you know what? I, I'll take that. For, for me, I, I, I'm almost tempted to give it to Connor Cody because he didn't get booked as opposed to Kilman. But I say, I think this might have been the hardest man of the match I think we've had to do this season just because I, no one really... You know, stuck their heads above the uh, stuck their heads above the parapet. Um, that wraps up um, Burnley. We'll be back after this to cover bits on injuries, um, the December running, and a little bit on Liverpool. But first, we've got a few ads. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question or opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk attention parents and students we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at pro prep this is the perfect study school study tool for university students undertaking science technology engineering or maths related modules and it can halve your studies time pro prep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time it's already helped over half a million students pass exams so far Basically, they provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short, clear, concise video tutorials. And after the video, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises, practice 
um, questions um, so you'll be ready for your exam. You can even submit questions to pro prep professors and receive video answers within 24 hours. Um, ProPrep's created a special offer just for our listeners um, alongside the 90min uh, football network. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more info and listeners of our show can sign up for 33 30 day free trial now no credit card information is required as well which is always a absolute bugbear of mine whenever i get asked to sign up to a trial um that's p-r-o-p-r-e-p uh, dot uk slash info slash football so make sure you go check out pro prep the ultimate study tool there we go right back to the football guys and girls um before we get on to the december uh, running because I'm really kind of keen to hear your pitches, guys, in terms of how you think we're going to be doing. I just want to do a quick plug for the fancast. Um, you'll have seen that we are in December and we are in the countdown to Christmas. Now, to make everyone's lives a bit easier for Wolves fans, we are doing a fancast giveaway um, for the first 20 days of Advent, um, where we are basically kind of giving away fun stocking fillers um in time for christmas they range from the i'm not joking the bizarre to the ridiculous me and dan had a lot of fun compiling it um i think yesterday's was a wolves um christmas jumper um today's was a um piss on the albion badge um i won't give away away the rest but the reason we are doing 20 days um, it's just so we can get the postage out so little Timmy will be able to get his Wolves branded tie clip before Christmas to open on Christmas Day. Um, so make sure you're checking us out on Twitter. Really simple to enter. As I say, we've got prices every day and we're really happy with the last one as well. I think it'll be a really good one on day 20. Um, right, so December fixtures. I hadn't realised up until about a week ago, A, how many games we were playing in December, nor how bad it looked um i really think this is going to be a december not to remember um i'll run you through the fixtures guys so obviously we've pardon me we've played burnley uh yesterday on the first but upcoming we still have six more matches so we start with liverpool um at home then we've got man city away brighton away chelsea at home watford at home and then arsenal away um i mean we we've got essentially the top three within the next four games. You include Arsenal as well, who are Arsenal. You know, they, they are Schrodinger's football team, whether they are good or bad. Um, how are you guys feeling with this with this run-up, especially with the small squad? Are you excited to see how we're going to play against, I guess, higher-caliber opposition, see if we can exploit the space? Or are we in for a very cold... December. What do you think, Blake? I don't think it is the I think tense. And I, I sort of referenced a while ago that this was going to be our big test. This was really going to show has Bruno really made a difference at Wolves? And I, I think this really is going to be the run of fixtures where we really find out are Wolves going to be capable of finishing in the top half? Could we even have a run at Europe? What's going to happen with that? And I think that's really where we're going to sort of... This run of fixtures, I think, is probably going to be our most important, maybe, of the whole season. Um, 
so I'm scared. I'm very scared, admittedly, because I mean, you look at the face of it, and it just looks like games that Wolves either are going to struggle in or have historically struggled in. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think we'd be lucky to get seven or eight points out of this, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, Wolves were once the team that could beat the big six all the time. So who knows? Maybe Bruno can inspire that run of form yet again. Tim, are you feeling optimistic about this? How, how are you sort of, um, you know, looking at these fixtures coming up, a lot of drinking opportunities as well, no doubt, for yourself? Um... <laughs> Indeed. Um, I think I'm most scared about the Watford and Brighton fixtures just because we really need to get some points on the board for those. I think the other ones, they're obviously a free hit. So I'm not worried about playing Liverpool at home on Saturday because I think... You never know what. Why couldn't we at the start of the season? Who was it? We drew with. Was it Man United? Did we draw? I can't remember. We lost. Anyway, we played well against. Oh yeah, it was just one nil, wasn't it? And then Mm. Tottenham and Leicester. We played really well in those games. So I'm not scared. I I don't. You know, I don't think we're going to win Saturday. I don't think we're going to beat Man City, but we're not going to get battered. you know, so why not? I'd still back us to beat one of them. I'm not sure which one, but I think we might get something out of either Liverpool, Man City or Chelsea. Okay, so I guess that sort of brings me on to my next question. I'll start with Kim as she sort of started off predictions. So 18 points left to play for in December. Um, how many points are we getting from the next six games? <sighs> Okay, so I'll go for a win against Watford, so three, draw against Brighton, four, seven points. So win against Watford, draw against Brighton, and we'll win one of these horrible fixtures, but I'm not sure which one yet. So I'll go seven points. Okay. Blake, how about you? High or lower? Well, let's say higher. Let's say higher. Okay. Podens Ooh. will be back from COVID. Neves will be back from suspension. We're ready to go. It's game time. Oh, five and seven. I I, I, I had seven in my head. I, I, I don't... Similar to you, Kim, I don't quite know where we're going to win win and draw. I, I've got a feeling we won't beat both Brighton and Watford. I think we'll end up drawing with one of them and winning two games elsewhere, maybe Chelsea um, or even Liverpool, potentially. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's a tough old run-in, which is why maybe if beating Burnley would have been you know, quite quite helpful for us. But we're in a good league position. I think even if we have a tough month, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll still be in kind of good stead, I think, come January. And hopefully with a few more reinforcements, we'll, um, we'll get there. Um, I mean, it wasn't a million years ago that it pops up on my timeline. Um, that do you remember under Kenny Jacket how we used to have awful Novembers? Like that we, we used to constantly lose like five games in a row November, no other month, but we get absolutely spanked every November. Um, so we're used to it. If if it does go a bit um, downhill next month. Um, 
one thing I, I wanted to sort of chat is we, Wolves got a couple of players doing really well out on loan, uh, particularly um, Dion Sanderson and Ryan Giles in the championship for the Blues and Cardiff, respectively. Um, it, I wouldn't quite say it's been rumoured, it's been almost murmured rather than a rumour um, about them sort of their potential first team opportunities. Would you guys say tomorrow if um, Safe picks up an injury? Um, and we have to recall Dion Sanderson, let's say. Would you kind of be happy about him returning and getting a first-team opportunity? I, I don't think he's... He's not really tested at this level, is he? I'd, I'd be mm. a bit worried. And I think when I saw that we were going to talk about the, the two young guys, it's not a reflection on them, but I'd be a bit worried if we were recalling them. I'd, I'd almost think, oh, my God, does that mean we're not actually going to sign anyone in January? Mm. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, with Sace obviously going to going away, Bolly obviously not fit and potentially going away, um, we look we're we're going to be really thin at the at the back. So maybe we bring Sanderson in just for for cover. But again, I just really hope we do bring a new centre back in um, in January because I think we're going to struggle without you know suspension. Um, injuries and obviously COVID as well is just we're going to struggle in this period if we're not going to we're going to have to play the same team week in week out I think that we kind of need all hands on deck and I don't see even if we do splash the cash in January us bringing in more than two players so I mean as nice as it would be to keep Dion on loan and just sort of let him develop more. I mean, we're naming two goalkeepers in our in our subs bench, and I think for the two matches previous to this one, we had uh, an under sixteens player uh, goalkeeper in in the the subs bench. So it's like we need somebody. We need somebody that if there's something that goes horrifically wrong, we can throw somebody out there and salvage some sort of result. So. If it does turn out that Dion comes back or anybody else comes back, fine. I don't necessarily think I'm jumping for joy at it, but fine because we just need we need legs. We need fresh legs. Yeah, I, I, I don't I find... think it's good for their development, though. Is it? No, no, it really isn't. No, it's not really good in for the long their term, development it's not when good. they're playing week in and week out. And you know, they're it's a decent level as a young player to at least test themselves at. So like I just don't think it's gonna work and you know, it's gonna be the same situation with Gibbs White, isn't it? He's gonna come that you know, they get recalled and they you know, play one game here and there and it just doesn't help them in the long run and it w- won't really help Wolves because we need them to to develop at a, a decent level and hopefully in the future either come back to Wolves or you know, sell them for a decent fee. So, yeah, I prefer not to have to record them personally. Yeah, I think it, I, I think it's tricky. But by the sounds of it, it's it's going to be sort of a last ditch scenario if we are hit by injuries. And I think just, again, it loops back to the size of the squad more than anything else. And to be fair, both of them are doing really well on loan. But I wouldn't have Ryan Giles starting ahead of Eight Norrie at the moment. Um, I wouldn't have Sanderson. You know. In, in that back three unless we needed to um, despite how well they're doing in the championship and I say ideally I'd love them to kind of complete a whole season and then be banging on the door next season but um, we'll see if we can get there I mean one player we kind of noted upon is, is I guess causing 
the issue, so to speak, is Willie Bolly, who I think he's played one game this season. Um, and he just seemed, can't seem to get fit um, at all in 2021, to be honest, the entire um, this year. He seems to have really struggled. Um, you know, I think he had COVID and long COVID. He's had, you know, different injuries left, right, left, right and centre. Do you think we almost just need to, I don't know, just give him that extra bit of time? Because I know, do you think he's been rushing himself back too quickly? Um, I, I guess, what do we do about Willy Bolly? Um, Blake, what, what are your sort of thoughts? Because he's been, I, I think, over Nuno, who's probably our most accomplished defender. But we haven't really seen him do anything in a, a saying about 12 months now, you'd, you'd argue. Yeah, it's it's tough because obviously there's not really too much you can do with injury. And the other problem is that our back three has just been so consistent. Do you really risk taking one of them out to put Bolly in? And I know Bolly has been such a rock for us in the past, but coming back from injury, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the same player. There's no guarantee that he's going to snap right back into the into his defensive role and be the player that he was. So it's really... I think quite unfortunate that he's sort of had this sort of spell of COVID and injury and, and all this different stuff just sort of at the worst time. And now it's sort of like a, I don't know, again, as you said, it's, it's better to have fresh legs than not. So it would be kind of, I think better for the team if we could sort of rotate around some of those players in that back three, but I'd, I don't really know what you do with them. Yeah, Kim, do you, uh, it's, I feel really drastic when I say this and really, like, headlining. Do you still see a future for Bolly at Wolves? Because I, I, said on the, I think I said on the last podcast, actually, I said I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the summer, and that's quite a big thing to say because he's on his day when fit, he's probably still our best defender. Um, but I just... I'm starting to have doubts now. Are we actually going to see him, you know, play for Wolves again? Because it's just, it's all a bit strange and bizarre because I'm not sure we really know what's happening. Like, what injury does he have? He just seems to have all these sort of knocks and all this, you know. I don't know if he's had effects from COVID as well. Like, he's been, he had Mm. COVID and then he sort of had long COVID. I'm not sure that's true, but I'm sure that's what I read. That's what I read as well. Yeah, so it's one of those because I think if he on his day, he still probably should be in the team if he's fit. You know, for me, I'd have Kilman at left centre back and or even Bolly preferred to play on the left, didn't he? To be fair, so I would have, you know, probably have Sace drop out and, and put Bolly in. But at the moment, obviously, the team's performing well and. It would be a risk, really, to to start him because he's obviously going to be so lacking match fitness. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah. Um. I, moving on to Saturday's game against title contenders Liverpool. Um. As mentioned, um, our preview show is out for that. But um, one one thing I wanted to highlight um was. This is the first time Jota will be back at Molyneux in front of a crowd. Um, how do you think reception is going to be for him? Um, I don't know. Uh, he might get a small round of applause when he comes out of the tunnel, but maybe after the game as well. 
but beyond that, I think it'll kind of be like Nuno, where there wasn't really too much. There was a little bit, but I, I don't know. I think it's hard because Jota wasn't really here all too long. Um, it's not really like Nuno, where we kind of had this sort of mutual sort of respect for each other like we kind of did with, with Nuno as manager. So I, I don't really think there's much really to honour him for. I mean, I, I know he's done some unbelievable things for the club, don't get me wrong, but he just kind of left after that, that se- well, not that season, but it just kind of felt like he, his heart never really was at Wolves, I guess. And I don't know. I don't know if that deserves a, a welcome or not. Hmm. Kim, how are you going to react when he... I'm assuming... I don't know if he will start, to be honest. But, you know, if he comes onto the pitch, are you going to cheer jubilantly, boo aggressively, or just, like, just... It is what it is. Do you know what? I feel quite passionate about this subject. Not specifically Jota, but just, uh, like, obviously with the Grealish thing yesterday as well. It's Mm. like, why? I'm, I'm the kind of person that... I will clap Diogo Jota because I think he's improved immensely moving from Wolves to Liverpool. He's obviously made a step up because, you know, Liverpool are probably in the top three teams in the Premier League. So, fair enough. But I will not clap him before the game, during the game, because why would you? He's on the opposition team. After the game, I'm all for. But, like booing like he's just gonna make him play better and obviously he's got he's he's bound to score like I'm literally gonna bet on Jota scoring because I know it'll happen in the hope that I'm gonna jinx him um so yeah I just don't really get it because I'm surprised there's not been like a Twitter conversation about it in all seriousness because there's those people who want to like literally bow down who want to bow down to him, and then the people who literally want to like boo him and like you know call him a Judas. Whereas I'm just like, just let's look at this logically, you know. So yeah, you're asking football fans to think rationally, Kim. That, that's your first mistake in this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think come maybe about midday Friday is when um, the the debate about how we should react and whether you know he's dead to me or. You know, no, he deserves. You know, he's he got us into a semi final of the FA Cup. Or, I'm I, I think I'm on the side of you, Kim. You know what? When he comes out to do his warm up, I'll, I'll give him a little clap. Then, when he's playing, no, like he's a member of the opposition full time. You know what? If he comes and claps the South Bank or whatever, I'll I'll more than applaud that guy because I say he gave us, he did give us three great, you know, three good years of service, but. You know, the, the club were means to an end for him, as most football clubs are for players. And, you know, can't part, can't begrudge him about taking that next step up. But, um, yeah, he, he's bound to score on Saturday, isn't he? Um, let, let, let's be honest. He scored against us last season. He, I think if people do boo him, it's only going to fuel him because he's that sort of player as well. Um, I know, Kim, you think we're going to lose, but can I get a score prediction? Ooh... I'm going to say, sorry, I'm going to say 3-0 to Liverpool. I just think, no, and that's not a reflection on us. I just think they're unplayable at the moment. Like, genuinely, like, I just, I can't see us scoring, but I can't see us, I can't see it being a tight game. So, yeah, 3-0. As much as I, 
as much as I agree with Kim, I'm going to be the optimistic one, and I'm going to say we're going to draw 1-1. One, one. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But You two keep switching the, the roles in terms of which one of you is going to be optimistic and pessimistic in this, and I can't quite... You know, I know where stand if Stu's on. I know where I stand on it. You know, <laughs> what, what, what you, you two having different opinions on various things, I can't cope. But hang on a minute. I said that we'd beat Burnley 3 now, and look yeah, how that true, turned out. True. So, so like, you know. Yeah, good point. I mean, what one thing I, I've learned doing podcasts, and I said it on the Anfield Wrap earlier. Um, don't know why I'm giving them a plug, but whatever. Um Whenever I predict Wolves to draw, it secretly means I think we're going to lose, but I can't quite admit it. So I also went one-one uh, with them. So I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with that answer because I can't quite see us getting absolutely, you know, properly hammered. I think realistically, it might be a valiant two-nil defeat where they score like really early on. We battle. We look, you know, Troy has some chances. Jimenez has a go, and then they kill us off you know, 10 minutes to go or something. That's, uh, I think that's, that's the m- most likely outcome. Yeah, that, to be fair. that's how I think the game will go. But fingers crossed, you know, we actually turn up Neves as a stormer. Um, let's wrap up the show with some quick questions from Twitter Corner. Thank you, everyone who's got in contact. First up, we have one from Elliot Rollison. Um, would you rather have a season full of nil-nil draws or half a season of wins and half a season of one nil losses. I'm going to go for win half the time because you get more points. Well, I mean, yeah, if this were the seventies, then fair enough. But yeah. yeah, nowadays you get three points for a win, one for a draw. It, it, it mathematically, it's just better off if you win half and lose half. And yeah. no one plus, wants it's more exciting. Nil-nil. Yeah, I was no, going to say no. We've had two nil nils in the past two games, and it's been like watching paint dry. So. I was going to say, maybe you change the question slightly for, you know, I don't know, we win 12, no, 13 games and then lose the other lose the other games, maybe. If it was level uh, on points, I still think you want to yeah. win games because, again, it's no fun just to go to nil-nil draws every single time. I mean, if it and was you don't like... even see goals from the opposition then, do you? At least if no. you're losing one nil and you see a worldie from, I don't know flipping Kevin De Bruyne at least that you know that's something now if you said 4-4 four, four draws every game now that's a different question <laughs> I was going to say but, well, yeah I was going to say it. the question he's expanded on because I think we've kind of broken it very quickly um, right my man Todd DeWitt from but I was going to say he's not from Colorado well he's from Colorado but he no longer lives in Colorado um, but his question is which current Wolves player would you pick to be your tag team partner and which player would you pick to be your hype man? So it's a two-parter. What does this even... What's a, what's I'm, a I'm hype assuming, man? Oh, I thought you were going to go for what the tag team partner is. I don't quite know where a hype man fits into wrestling. It sounds really bad. I can feel myself. I need to stop talking. Oh, is I it wrestling? I'm assuming yes. tag teams for wrestling, isn't it? And, oh, uh, uh, forgive me, Blake. You might have slightly more knowledge on this than me. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. really, but I'm assuming... <laughs> By hype man, they kind of mean that sort of yeah, person tertiary G- character that sort of eggs on the wrestler, sort of from the side of the ring. Um, yeah, you kind of G's G's up because I'm thinking like you know from a rapper has a hype man. Does a wrestler have something similar? I feel like I'm going to need to phone Andy in in a second, or I'm going to get a really really vicious text in about 
five hours time when uh, people are actually listening to a show um but yeah all right so we'll, we'll we'll try our best who would you have as a tag team partner first and foremost because i'm what's what's a tag team partner then i don't even know what that is it's who's so if you're kind of wrestling 2v2 so who would yeah. be your partner if you were wrestling two other people okay oh that's easy then isn't it try all right yeah well it might actually be saw as well because saw is insane and i think he would be a really fun character so. to have in a wrestling sort of environments uh maybe we saw bring back... dye his beard different colors I think yeah yeah, yeah exactly not... exactly saw and he's limber to... as well so he yeah, could dive saw, all over saw the has ring potential and... to be a really interesting wrestler from my incredibly limited knowledge as you're finding out um pre-injury i might have said bolly yeah um yeah bolly would have been a good pick yeah, I think Troy, Troy is a good shout. Um, you just need to like make sure he kind of understands what he's doing. Um, it's like, no, you don't throw the table now. You need to hit with a chair. Um, I'll say, little wrestling joke for you guys there. I'm very proud of that one. Um, um, right, we'll, we'll knock on to the next one because we've got two more. Um, in the honour of the Rainbow Flames uh, pre-match yesterday, we've not even talked about that. Um, oh, I was going to say, I won't tangent off too much, but I did think the work they did yesterday and actually the club as a whole, what they're doing around um, the LGBT community and especially kind of Connor Cody picking up is fantastic and does deserve a lot of recognition from the wider footballing public. And I know Burnley also do try as, uh, do a decent amount as well, particularly with Ben Mee. But anyway, back to the question. Um, yep, yeah, so in honour of the Rainbow Flames pre-match, if you can have any colour uh, be cremated... Um, what with? So let me try that again. Trying try my best with Stu's question. If you could have any colour flame to be cremated with, what would it be? Yeah, I did think that was correct. So um, yeah, lovely question from Stu on a uh, on a Thursday night. I think it would have to be green. I think that's the most sort of badass way to go. Just green flames engulfed. It, it feels Just... like yeah, it feels quite potiony. Yeah, yeah. Kim, how about you? There's <laughs> not really how, much more to say on that. How, how, do, how do you see a fine lax on Earth being? Um, I suppose just because they're, they're, they're quite girly, aren't they? The colours, like the purple or the pink. So yeah. I'd like to think myself as fairly girly. Um, so, yeah, I guess so. One of those. I thought the... Um, the light show before with the colours was nice as well, by the way. Yeah. That was quite different. Yeah. They do, they do a really good job. You know what I'd do? I'd go old, old I'd go gold and black because I'm a proper fan. I don't think that's a colour, though, in the uh, we, flame. We, we Actually, I think work, you can do it. I think there's <laughs> a specific have, thing you can I think we can probably get away with having an orange flame. Like, that, 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 that won't be too hard. No. I mean, black, no. black we'd have to work on. Um but we'll get people in the lab working on it. Right, last one, and I probably should have given you some warning on this one, so I'm going to stretch it out, is um, this is from Cage Fighting Pod, so I'm assuming it's from Matt, judging by the fact he's on a night shift at the moment. Go check out Cage Fighting if you're a fan of films. There's your plug, guys. You don't need to badger me. Um, what's your favourite film, favourite song? Ooh, with Night in the title. Should so be I all night long by uh, ACDC. No question. Mm. No question about it. Now, 
If it can be in the chorus and still count, then I would say Starry-Eyed Surprise. Just to okay. really throw it back. Mm. I was going to say, I feel like I probably should have put more more in this. The ones I, the, the two, only two I could think of, and I felt really bad at this, chiefly because I misread the question and thought it was going to be um, favorite film because it's, you know, they do a fucking podcast about films. And then I was like, ah, oh, maybe Friday Night Lights, something like that. Um, and the only songs I can think with Night in the title were All Night Long, Lionel Richie, and also Silent Night, because it's Christmas time. Ah. Yeah. Kim, any any guesses? All, all Night Long is mine. All Night, all night Long, Lionel Richie, I think be mine or to be honest for an in, for the indie fans out there it's not a song but the cribs had a uh, their last album was called night network so whether that that qualifies i don't know i think i think we can i think we can expand it to albums as well mm. um raise light up all night was that no have i just made up an album sure raise lights first album was like up all night or something like that that's gonna bug me now um well, that that that'll be a that'll be a very brief Google, which will be kind of quite boring for me. Um, but that's probably a really good place to end the show. Talking about indie music, um, you can go check that out on the indie football wolves. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I've just googled it, Rich. Up all night. Yes. Yeah, had, like, gone, yeah, I had golden touch on that album. Yeah. Um, oh God, nostalgia. There we go. There we go. <laughs> It ain't what it used to be, is it? Right, that's probably a perfect place to wrap up today's show. Um, we will be back on Sunday evening um, reviewing the Liverpool game. As I mentioned, our preview of the game is out now as well on YouTube and in all your podcast places. Keep up to date with all things Wolves at Wolves Fancast. That's our handle across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we're there. As I mentioned, we are doing our fancast advent giveaway at the moment, so get involved with that for some fun prizes. Um, I think that about covers it from ourselves. Um, again, as always, big shout out to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media and the 90 Min Football Network. Until next time, it's bye from Blake. See you, everybody. It's, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time. You see it every day. The first dollar you earned from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.